Second Peter 1 verse 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I believe that it can be said of most all people that as they awaken each morning, though they may not verbalize it, their hope is that they will have a good day. I pray for a good day for a lot of people. And that they would, as they open their eyes for the day, that their hope is that they will have a good day filled with good things. And then on further, for those of us who are devoted followers of Christ, I believe that the same could be said for us, but that we would not only desire to have a good day filled with good things, but we also would desire to have a day like that which is spoken about here in these words. A day that's filled with life and godliness. And may I say to each of you, my dear friends, that you and I can do that. You and I really can have a day that is filled with life and godliness. More than just a good day, one that has less troubles, less suffering. You and I can actually have a a day that is filled with life and godliness. God has promised that very thing to each of us here in these words. Each one of you have professed faith in Christ. And this is a promise that is guaranteed to us. And the only requirement of you and me to have a day that is filled with life and godliness is that we would reach out and receive it from God's hand. I know that that sounds too easy, too simple. But such is the mysterious interaction of God's will and our free will intertwining together. God's foreordaining and man's free will working together to bring about God's plan. And it works. As believers, you and I have already done the essential part, that foundational part. We have surrendered our hearts to Christ and we have received His salvation. But as we have reminded ourselves so many times before, salvation really is only the beginning, the doorway into the kingdom of God. And too often we get just safely inside that doorway. And then we go no further. We go no further. But all of these scriptures tell us that God is inviting us to step on forward, to actually go ahead and move in with Him, to bring all that we are and all that we possess and to join ourselves with Him in His family. To not just stand there at the doorway wondering what we ought to do next. He tells us what we are to do next. We need to step on in and join Him in His family and begin enjoying all the blessings and benefits of being a a child of God. King David said that. Listen to these words. This is Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Folks, that's today, during our living years. That's not something that we're going to do after we go to heaven. This is what you and I ought to seek after today and tomorrow. Listen. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about you're actually dwelling in the house of the Lord right now? You think, no, I live in my own house. No, you should not live there. Yes, you may occupy that house. But this is what God wants you to do. One thing I've asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, this day, and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to gaze upon His beauty, and to inquire in His temple. Now, is that not the most wonderful opportunity that we can imagine having? Dwelling in the house of the Lord this day, all of this day, and gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. Should you and I not earnestly desire with all of our heart to do that, to abide in the continual presence of God? Now again, it not only can be ours, be yours, be mine, it really already is ours. If we have Christ as our Savior, all we have to do is reach out and receive it. As these words of our passage tell us, this is a great and precious promise from God that we can actually have life and godliness beginning right this moment. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and virtue. Consider with me for a moment these two words, life and godliness. They truly do have within them about all that you and I could ever imagine or hope for as we would go through each day and then on out into eternity. And I do appreciate so much my Greek and Hebrew lexicons where I can go and search the depths of the meanings of some of these words. Because when I do, I find that they are so filled to overflowing with rich meanings that I would not otherwise know. I researched, dug into this word life. The word life that's being used right here in this verse. It's a Greek word zoe. Zoe. And it's filled with all sorts of special inferences and and meanings about life. Life to its fullest. Life given to us by God, but life that then must be surrendered back to Him. Life lived not only in our mortal flesh, but then also life that is lived eternally. And it goes on and on. That caused me to go back and consider the account there in Genesis 2 when God first gave life to man. You'll recall that until God created man, God had simply spoken and creation came into existence. He would speak and the Son came into existence and the moon and the stars and the earth. But with man, God chose to get more intimately involved. He didn't just speak and man came into existence. 
He got intimately involved. Listen to these words. Genesis 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That is intimate, and that is loving. In my imagination, I can see the Lord Jesus. And by the way, you remember from John chapter 1, it is the Lord Jesus that created everything that was created. So He was the one that this Scripture was speaking of there in Genesis 2. So in my imagination, I can see the Lord Jesus who with all of His great might and power had created everything that had been created. And then He looked around Him at the earth and it was empty in a sense. He knew that it needed more. It needed to have life walking around on it. Life of all kinds, but especially life that was much on the same order of His own. You'll recall that man was created in the image of God. It was a life that had a similarity to His own. And so then reaching down, the Lord Jesus picked up a handful of dust. And with it, He began to mold the features of the first man, Adam. He molded those same features and attributes that he himself would later take on as he would come to earth to redeem his creation. And in his great wisdom, Jesus knew that flesh and blood alone would not complete a man. Man needed to have life. And so the Lord Jesus then cupped Adam's face in his own hands. And with great love, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And Adam became a living soul. A living soul that would from that moment forward be eternal. That's intimate. And that is loving. And I can say without hesitation that the life that Jesus breathed into Adam's nostrils was pure and holy life. How can I know that for sure? It's because... In those first moments, sin did not exist on the earth. Sin would come later, but it was not there at the time. And so Adam had a pure and holy heart and a pure and holy character with none of the evil desires that's spoken about here in verse 4. Those would come to him later, but at the moment he was pure and holy. And his life that Jesus had breathed into him had within it this inborn godliness. Something that's no longer inborn within man today. But something that man can regain. We can regain if we truly want to. And that's done by receiving Christ as our Savior and then receiving the godliness that he promises here in today's passage. Jesus is telling us here in this verse, His divine power has granted us all that we need for life and godliness. That He will breathe back into our nostrils this breath of life and we can again be pure and holy living souls like Adam was there in those first days. Now an unbelieving person will not at all comprehend these words that I'm saying. Because unfortunately, the unbelieving mind is only able to perceive the natural things of life, the visible, the obvious things. They look into the face of a child 
or an 80-year-old man. And if they see evidence of breath, they believe them to be alive. But you and I know better. You and I know better. We know that now all people are born into this life in a very dead condition. And if a person never invites Christ to breathe His life-giving breath into them, then they will forever remain dead. But thanks be to God for all of us who have taken that step, who have surrendered our lives to Christ. He's done exactly that. He has breathed His life-giving breath into our nostrils. And we have become living souls, truly alive. Some of my favorite verses that speak about the life that Jesus gives it. John 10.10, He says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Not just breathing. It's a whole new kind of life. It's an abundant life. John 3.36 He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But listen, he who does not obey the Son will not see life. It can be walking around all around them. But their whole personality and their whole way of life and their whole way of thinking is dead. He who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And the one that's at the top of my list of favorites is 1 John 5, 11 and 12. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. And listen to these words, some of the most important words you'll ever hear. He who has the Son has life, but he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It cannot be said any plainer. cannot be said any plainer. Simply having breath does not mean that we have life, because life truly is more than simply breathing. And you know, as a believer, that there is a fullness to this life that was never there before. And it's because Jesus has breathed His life-giving breath into you. And it's flowing. His life-giving breath is flowing through your lungs. There's a popular contemporary Christian song that's being sung in a lot of churches today. And it speaks of this life-giving breath of Christ. It's called breathe. Michael W. Smith sings it. There's others that sing it, but he has made it popular. And I love those words. It speaks of Christ's holy presence living in me, being the very air that I breathe, and about me being desperate for Him. If you have not heard the song, I suggest you find it and listen to it and be prepared to worship The words there in that song says, I'm desperate for you. May I ask each of you, are you right at this moment desperate for Christ? Do you have a desperation for the presence of Christ in you? Unfortunately, I fear that most Christians would not be desperate, that they would have to confess that they do not have this sense of desperation. Being a literal thinker as I am, my mind takes me back to one of those times when as a young man at the beach I was caught by an undertow. 
and I was deep under the water and it was holding me down and I was completely out of air. I was desperate for a breath of air. That was over 50 years ago and I remember it right now very vividly. Another vivid memory was a time when I was inside a building that was on fire and it was filled with smoke with no air to breathe. I got down as low as I could. I tried to get below the smoke and I desperately wanted air. And I did everything that I could to get out of that building as fast as I could go. I was desperate. That's the essence of the words of this song, Breathe. In this world, you and I, yes, are breathing air that fills our lungs. But God is making us to know all day, every day, that there is so much more to life than just breathing this natural air. Just getting up in the morning and making it through the day. His Holy Spirit is saying to you and me, no, we need the breath of life that can only be breathed into us by the Lord Jesus. And it has to take place, not just the one time at salvation, but every moment of every day, His breath flowing through our lungs. I've said to you that I have lunch on Thursdays with a group of old men about my age or older. Most of them have a professed relationship with Christ. But I don't see this desperation in their behaviors. And you can look around you, and I'll bet you that you don't see much of it. Sadly, sadly, some of those are within my own family. Perhaps within your family. Yes, they breathe that natural air, but their spirits and their souls are starving. Starving for the precious, life-giving breath of Christ. Their lifestyles show it. Their habits show it. Their behaviors show it. Their crippled marriages show it. On and on. They are desperately clinging to life, gasping for their next breath, but they don't even know what's taking place. Listen, everything that God desires for you and me begins with this one thing. All day, every day, the life-giving breath of Christ. We cannot go a step further without this breath of life. But once we have it, once we have it, and each one of you, with your profession of faith, each one of us have this. And so then you and I need to be moving on to this next blessing. The blessing that's found here in God's promises that He's spoken about in verse 3. Godliness. Listen to this. His divine power has given us everything we need for life, and now you have it, and godliness. And God wants you to move on to that step. He wants me to be continually moving on to that step. He has enabled me with His life-giving breath, and now all I have to do is reach out, and I can have this godliness. What is the godliness that He's speaking about here? What is His purpose in godliness? Now the effects of godliness is wide-ranging. has so many applications. But listen, its foundational meaning is found in the very character of the person of God. Godliness is simply to be like Him. Simply put, godliness is to be like God. But not just imitation of Him. And that's one of the problems that we have in our churches. People imitate 
God. And there are certain verses in Scripture that encourage that. Be imitators of God. But there's more to it than just looking like Him. Imitation can be helpful at times. But let me assure you that simple imitation of God is not enough. The answer to finding how we can actually be godly is found in these next words. It's these same words that you and I have been studying for the past two or three weeks. It's in verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. The word godliness has as a part of its meaning this devout, diligent effort and commitment towards having the very same kind of holiness that God Himself has. Now yes, that is a tall order, but listen, it is commanded of us. And we sang about it in the hymn just a moment ago. He says there in First Peter 1, He says, Be ye holy as I am holy. We sang, take time to be holy. God expects it of us. And the only means of us knowing what God's holiness is, how it's supposed to look in us, in our behavior, is through our getting to know Him. As simply as these words tell us, His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. Now you recall earlier, two or three weeks ago, when we studied this word knowledge. It includes the learned kind of knowledge that we would have from studying these Scriptures. But listen, you'll recall it also includes an experienced, felt, comprehended, intimate relationship with Him. It's a deep and intimate, abiding relationship. Loving relationship. It's not just learning about Him through reading these Scriptures. It's experiencing Him. Much like a husband and wife experience an intimate, loving relationship with each other. It goes beyond the mind. goes beyond what we can learn. In order for us to have godliness, we will need to have an experience of this ever-increasing knowledge of God. His character, His nature, His will. And to allow that character to freely flow through us. Don't those words so sound strange to you? They do. They sound impossible. To have God's Spirit flowing through my mind, through your mind. But that's what God's talking about here. That's what He's talking about. Else all that you and I will ever gain is this practiced imitation of Him. And again, sometimes that's good. It has some good attributes to it. But it lacks His power. I know that those words sound strange to us. And we're going to talk about them more next week. But let me just say again, practice imitation of God and of His principles and concepts. Yes, they are good things, but they lack His power. And that's the reason why God gave us these next words here in verse 4. He says there in verse 4, not imitation, but participation in His divine nature. Listen to these words. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in His divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world caused by evil desires. 
Participation in God's divine nature is so much, much more than just us attempting to imitate Him. What would Jesus do? Remember our bracelet. What would Jesus do? That had a good thought behind it, but it lacked the power of God Himself. We're going to study more about that next week. My time has run short. Before we close, though, I want to say to us again that life and godliness, this life and godliness that's spoken about here really can be ours. In reality, it already is ours. It is in you. If you have Christ as your Savior, you have it. All you have to do is receive it. And I challenge each one of us to take this step. And if you don't know what it is, ask God to explain it to you. And then reach out and receive this life and godliness. Let's close. Write these words, if you would, upon your heart. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and virtue. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Let's pray.